Holly G with the Golf Insiders. It's September. Go Buffalo. Go Buffalo. Oh, wait a minute. Are we talking football or are we talking golf? Well, yes, I have to brag a little bit about my Buffalo Bills because we are kicking off Monday night football this Monday. But, okay, I digress. We've still got a lot of golf to talk about. The Ryder Cup is coming up at the end of September in Marco Simone Golfing Country Club in Rome, Italy. And uh, my favorite, well, he's not exactly Italian, but one of our favorite golf insiders, Gary Van Sickle Award-winning journalist and contributor to SI.com to break down the teams today. Hello, Gary. I was going to ask you how Buffalo did in the Super Bowl last year, but I guess that's a Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Okay, Mr. Pittsburgh Steeler, buddy. I return service. Right, because I live in Pittsburgh, I have no del- I'm under no delusions that they're any good. Well, we shall see. Ryder Cup's in Italy, the home of golf, or something like the home of something. Uh, look, hey, what happened to all those people two years ago who were clocking all about the American dynasty in the Ryder Cup, and the Europeans aren't going to win another one for a decade. What happened to them? They're gone. I made me a live had something to do with it, but uh, I don't think anybody, I personally lean toward the Europeans in this thing. I, both teams have some flaws, but, um, and both captains made a couple of, each made at least one controversial pick based on reputation rather than form. So that's going to be, uh, that's going to be something that's going to be answered. But I, all the people who are, oh, this is, you know, right. It, it was an American bandwagon at Whistling Straits. And it's, it's all turned around now. And I think Padraig Harrington or somebody said, I think, I think we're, I think we're, I think we're back. Um, said some quote to that effect. And I think he's right. You know, the, the Europeans, look, you only need four studs to win a Ryder Cup. And they've got at least four. Now, the Americans have that at least that many, too. But I don't know. How good are your studs playing at the moment? Rory's got a bad back. That's not. That's a little bit of a concern. And who do the Americans have that looks unbeatable? So I, I think it's going to be a great Ryder Cup. It's going to be close. And this United States dynasty that everybody was talking about two years ago, you can forget about that. That never happened. Well, you've got, of course, uh, Victor Hovland, Rory, as you mentioned, John Rahm, who, you know, no doubt will rise to the occasion, uh, Sepp Straka, who's been, you know, playing quite well and had a, a great uh, FedEx Cup playoff. So Tommy Fleetwood, Matt Fitzpatrick, I mean, you're right. They're pretty loaded, especially in terms of uh, trending players, if you will. And the U.S. squad, hmm, I'm not so sure. What's your thoughts on the pick of JT and uh, the omission of wear his heart and soul on his sleeves, Keegan Bradley? Well, captains, let's look at these things completely different than the rest of us. I had Davis Love on my podcast last week, the Golf Show 2.0. Uh, 
and he, he talked about that. But they the captains are looking to make pairings. They're not looking at who's the hottest player. Now, I guess they've learned that through experience. I don't know. I think it's debatable. I would not have taken JT. If you would – I'm sorry I don't have his record for the year up, but if you looked at his record and took his name off it, you'd be going, miscut, miscut. This guy's not even a candidate for the Ryder Cup team if, if, his, if his name wasn't Justin Thomas. So they got him because Spieth was going to be a pick and they're, they're automatic team. Well, just because they're an automatic team doesn't mean either one of them is going to play any good, and you could make a case that, I don't know, maybe Spieth wasn't the greatest pick either. But these guys have got the experience, and will they rise to the occasion? Uh, Zach Johnson took this guy, JT, instead of Lucas Glover, the only guy who did anything in the last month and a half when it mattered. Well, you know, you see it every, every two years with the American Ryder Cup team. June, July, August, everyone's trying to make the team, and what happens? Everybody gags. Nobody does anything. Lucas Glover shows up and wins two weeks in a row. Incredible, and gets left off. And then Keegan Bradley, who won early in the year, and won in uh, Hartford in July. And then he's in contention at the Tour Championship. He's played in Ryder Cup before. You know, and he gets, he gets overlooked. And, and he, it, it had the feel to a lot of people, and Keegan even said it. It had the feel, had the feel of a you know good old boys club. These guys are buddies, and he's on he's an outsider. And I would take it a step further. I mentioned this coincidence in my notes this last week at SI.com that, oh yeah, guess who guess who are business partners and fellow investors in uh, live energy drinks? Zach Johnson, Jordan Spieth, and Justin Thomas. So, to me, that's a bad look. But Zach Johnson is looking at this for pairings. The rest of us are looking at who's playing well like this is a reward. And if you do it that way, you're not going to pick the same guys. But I would not have taken JT. I don't think putting him out there with speed is going to magically magically cure whatever's wrong with his game. But, yeah, he doesn't have to play him either. Back to uh, Lucas Glover. I mean, Man, the guy can stripe the ball, and you want that. And, oh, by the way, uh, was putting lights out. You want that, too. And he seems to yeah, be... Yeah, he, there isn't anybody who doesn't like Lucas Glover, doesn't get along with him. Exactly. He, exactly. You don't have to worry about who you pair him with. You know, I had one or two people on Twitter saying, how come Ricky Fowler's getting a pass? Ricky didn't, you know, he's got a doesn't have a great Ryder Cup record, even though it, we all seem to think he does. He's three seven and five, I think. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you can nitpick this thing to death. The point of it is, if you don't take somebody, who do you have who's significantly better? Well, you know, is anybody significantly better? Again, they're looking for known quantities. Uh, How is Lucas Glover going to do? In a Ryder Cup, well, we'll, I, we'll we're never going to know now. And Keegan Bradley, did he really play that bad over in Scotland, or was he just on a bad pairing? Uh, you know, and his partner his partner stunk, and he got blamed for it. So, uh, as I recall, Keegan played all right, and his partner was bad. But again, it's a moot point. So, I they've got who they've got, uh, Bradley and and. Uh, 
Lucas Clever were the guys with the biggest complaints, and really the only significant ones. I think the great one was uh, I'm glad Brian Harmon's on the team because that's exactly the kind of guy you want. He's got a great short game, a great putter. You know, he's got a little Patrick Reed in there that, come on, get, bring it on. I can't wait to beat you. He's got that inner swagger. Yeah. yeah and, and he backs it up by around the greens. It's tough to beat a guy who gets it up and down all day long and, and makes putts on you. So I think I think he could be a, a breakout star for the U.S. team. Uh, back to your comment about the Buddies Club. It's so interesting how the uh, – the uh, criticism meter swings uh, one way to the other. Uh, the whole point of uh, back, uh, I guess, when Phil threw Tom Watson under the bus um, in that infamous press conference after we lost the Ryder Cup uh, was that, you know, the players weren't involved enough. Uh, there wasn't enough of, you know, Mixing, uh, mixing personalities uh, together with, you know, gelling the, you know, the the composition of the team. Well, now we've got that, and people are saying, eh, you know, it's a popularity thing. You can't get inside from the outside. Well, I think what Phil really meant was, I don't have any say in what's going on. I think that's what he. I think that's all what all Phil really meant. I didn't like Watson, we didn't get along, and I should have more say because I'm so smart. I think that's what he really meant. And it it, it, it led to good changes, uh, and they've created this positive. I mean, look, Paul Azinger found the, found the crack the code. Right. He had this, you know, the, the guys who play well together aren't guys with similar games. It's guys with similar personalities. And he had a psychologist come in and break these guys down by personality, and they created these pods. Four guys would play together all week in practice rounds. And when it comes time for the tournament, that's who they're, they're going to be paired with guys in their pods. Well, gosh, that, that worked for the first time in how many Ryder Cups in the U.S. won. He totally out-captained Nick Feldo, if, if the word out-captain can be a verb. And I just made it one, so I guess I can. Uh and what have we done since then? We haven't gone back to it yet. Yeah, and the, the LPGA and, and the Solheim Cup used it once and won. And then the next time they tried to do it, uh, one of the one of the divas says, oh, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. And so I said, okay, then we won't. But that's, that's the secret. So, you know, and now we've got like 19 assistant captains. We got... We get assistant captains so guys can go to the bathroom on time, and it's it's ridiculous how many guys are involved. But it's not about you know again it's all about the pairings, but they seem to have gotten away from you know the personality thing a little bit. I, I don't know. Phil wasn't totally wrong. Part of him, part of what he said was right for the wrong reason. But you don't do that in a press conference. You should have done it behind doors or, or sooner or, you know, whatever. But um, that, 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 was class, that was classic Phil. That's one of the things he's going to be most remembered for was sabotaging, uh, sabotaging that whole thing. Everybody, European media went off on the arrogant Americans who can't even get along with themselves, you know. It was just a, it was a bad. It was just a tabloid feast. Yeah. 
a bad looking scene. And, and the irony is, Phil's never going to be a Ryder Cup captain or a vice captain now, I don't think. No, I mean, you know, and he sort of similarly, as we've seen, uh, torched his career further uh, after winning the PGA Championship and all that's gone on with living. You could say, again, that Phil, some of the things that Phil shook the bushes and set the building on fire about turned out to be true. Uh, however, for a guy who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, um, hmm, I wonder. Well, he's not going to be, because of his involvement with Liv, he's probably banished forever. But more importantly, his uh, gambling exploits, as revealed in Billy Walter's book, uh, Phil has conservatively wagered a a billion dollars, according to Billy Walters, who's one of the great gambling experts and gamblers of all time. And, in fact, Phil tried to get a bet down on the Ryder Cup, betting on the American $400,000. He was going to bet on the team he was on. So he is he is a disgrace in that area, without question. Speaking of Liv, DJ, Dustin Johnson, of course, was in the conversation Bryson DeChambeau, were they seriously being considered? I, I don't think so. I'm not sure. I, you know, it would have been a great question. Uh, well, he, he, he did take Brooks Kepka, but Kepka came so close on points, I don't think Johnson had a choice. I, I don't think, I mean, we don't know who Zach Johnson really considered, but it was easy to not consider Bryson because... He's got to play a weird game, and he's not like Buddy Buddy was really anybody. He's out in his own galaxy. Dustin Johnson, however, is like one of the great Ryder Cup players of all time. He can play with anybody. Nobody wants to play a match against Dustin Johnson. Now, he hasn't played that great. He won once on live this year, which if that means anything, but he hasn't. Played all that great. Uh, I think he had one okay finish in uh, a major, but he didn't do great in the majors either. Uh, a couple of them, so it's hard to make a case for him now. Had he been on the PGA Tour doing the same thing, he might have gotten a pick because you know they love having him. He, he's another guy. His length and his swag—it's an inner swagger. He doesn't talk about anything, but. He's just a guy who has an intimidating presence with his with his long drives and, and everything. So he might he, he's a guy who might have gotten a pick instead of maybe Justin Thomas. I think that's a an interesting uh, observation, actually. And you know, Brooks gets uh, maligned in a lot of ways. However, it seemed like if you look at the boxes that were checked a lot of the guys said yeah we want that guy well he, he's a he's a big game hunter he, he's he plays great on the biggest stages well the Ryder Cup's as big a stage as you can get he loves showing off there again there's another there's a guy if you're a European guy you don't want to play you don't want to play Brooks in singles you don't want to play him in in a team in a two-man thing he's he's coming after you so now, he hurt himself. 
it's not that he went to live. It's that he said he wasn't going. He definitely wasn't going, and he kind of belittled the guys who did. And then, you know, like a week later, yeah, I'm going. And, you know, in retrospect, he made a good decision. His knee was messed up. He thought his career as a series contender was over. True. His knee was a lot worse than he ever told anybody in the media. He didn't let on that we we didn't know how bad it was. So he took he took the money because there might if he had to go out and earn what he earn his earn a living, he might not have been able to, to do it. So he he and DeChambeau both had injuries that they were concerned about that might be career ending as far as being a top player, and they took the money. So there's nothing wrong with that. But don't say you're not going, and then the week later say you're going. I mean that's that. That that rankled people. Then he came back, and you know the the old Brooks showed up this year. And I think if you, he was really honest, I think he might say, "Well, if I'd known this, I probably wouldn't have gone." But hey, he can have it both ways. He gets the, he got the big money, and he still can win majors because he he's exempt now because the PGA. So it all worked out great for him, and he's on the Ryder Cup team, so they couldn't keep him off. So we haven't won. In 30 years, Gary, across the pond. That, that seems, that's really mind-boggling, actually. Well, you know, from the late 80s, early from the early 90s, really until I don't know when. I mean, if you go back and look at it, American media in general just didn't have proper respect for who these European players are because they didn't see them as often. They just didn't really know how good they were. I think if you go back and look at those teams, in most cases, looking with the with the hindsight of history, you look back and go, Europeans were better. They had better teams. In the 90s, their team was better. You know, given that Tiger and Phil, you know, put their clubs away as soon as the last putt dropped and didn't pick them up again until – you know, as soon as the PGA was over in August, they put their clubs away and didn't care about the rest of the fall. And then the Ryder Cup comes along, so they pull their clubs out on Sunday beforehand and try to get ready. But they, they did not get up to the Ryder Cup. So if Tiger and Phil had played their best golf, I, you wouldn't say that. But Tiger and Phil almost never played their best golf. And Good that point. was the difference. And, and But if you look at those rosters, I think you go back and say, Europeans were a better team most of those years when they won, and and that's that's including when they won over here. But I, it's not like oh, what did the Americans do wrong? Well, they weren't as good. We just thought we just thought they were better than they were, but they weren't that good. And I would say Azinger's team might not have probably wasn't the best team in 2008, but he his coaching was so great they won because of him. And you know, and they they he outcoached said he outcoached Faldo, and that was the difference. Well. But this is not a popular opinion. Nobody wants to hear that. Like, Europeans were better most of these years. That's just, in my opinion, that's a fact. Well, let's look at the captains. Luke Donald, captain of the Euro squad, and Zach Johnson. How do you measure those two up? Luke is more of a cerebral, quiet guy, and Zach is cerebral too, but he's got a little more... He exudes confidence more than Luke Donald does. Like, uh, I used to write stories for SI way back into the early 90s, early, late, early, late 90s, early 2000s. 
before Zach Johnson had won a major, the anonymous pros nickname for Zach Johnson was Zach Nicholas yeah. because he walks around like he's Jack Nicholas, but he hasn't done anything. Well, then he did win up. He eventually did win a Masters and later a British Open. But his point was he was kind of full of himself because he was a big deal in Iowa. And uh, he always had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder that you know, he thinks he's pretty good, and he is pretty good. So that's a, an important thing to have in golf, to have that uh, there's no great player that doesn't have that ego about themselves. But it's all about how you display it or how you cover it up or, you know, try to be normal. So he, he's rubbed some people the wrong way, and uh, I think. And uh, Luke Donald's always been really nice to everybody. So he kind of is, Luke Donald reminds me of Steve Strick. He's almost too nice to be a captain. How's he going to say no to anybody? But Steve Cricker made it work, and, you know, Luke Donald will probably make it work. He's so nice, the team wants to win for him. So I think they both have a lot of pluses. Zach's been there and done it, and Luke Donald, uh, he's been in plenty of Ryder Cups. He's done real well, and uh, the team's going to unite to try to win for him. And was he, they like him so much. And Luke was part of Miracle Medina, wasn't he? Yeah. So, so they've all, they've both been in, they've both been on both sides of it. But uh, I, again, I think you'll see the American media still think the Americans are, are way better than this European team. And, you know, I just don't, you know, Europeans have Victor, Victor Hovland, who may be the number one player in the world. Rory, who has been number one. John Rahm, who is number one, or has been, has been number one. And, uh, and per, Matt Fitzpatrick, U.S. Open champion. Terrell Hatton's a great player. I mean, they got five guys there who were plus Tommy Cleveland. but they got they got a solid six guys. Well, those guys play all fourteen matches and and win a majority of them. They're not going to have to win too many singles matches on Sunday. So uh, they can easily they can easily I would make them the favorite, but uh, given the home field advantage, but. Uh, I don't think the American media is going to see it that way. I think they're going to think this is the team that slaughtered the guys at Whistling Straits two years ago, and why wouldn't it happen again? Well, it's not the same team. You know, you, you are missing DJ and DeShambo and Tony Fino. So, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I was forced to bet right now I would take the Europeans, but... I think it'll be close. Could go, you know, like every Ryder Cup, it'll come down to the last couple of guys. It'll be fun. Yeah, it will for sure. And uh, in terms of uh, Europe, this week the DP World Tour event is the Irish Open at the K Club. Rory will be teeing it up. Uh, so there's still golf for those guys to play as uh, they contend for the, the race to Dubai. And they're big season ender. They could get fatigued from from this from this finish. So what happened to when the Europe, when the Americans went over to France? It was right after the Tour Championship, which Tiger had won, and he was completely spent, completely drained, and he had nothing. And a lot of the guys on the team, if you notice, uh, and I wrote I wrote it that week. It's like did you see how the Americans, the Ryder Cup guys, finished in the Tour Championship? Uh, there were like four of the bottom ten were the Amer- were guys on the Ryder Cup. They were out of gas already at the Tour Championship. 
Then they got on a plane that night and flew to France. Well, that's not the preparation you want for for the Ryder Cup. And I wonder if that's going to happen to the Europeans having to come back from the Middle East. I don't know. We'll see. That's another wild card to throw in there. Well, you know what? We forgot to mention that Luke Donald also had his own pick controversy where he picked Shane Lowry, who's not had a particularly good year, much like Justin Thomas. And he passed over a guy who won a couple times, Adrian Morant, who's from Poland, mm. who's, not, who's not one of the guys. He's a new guy. He picked uh, Hoshgard, who's uh, not one of the guys either, but he's played well. But he, he passed over Morant, who was pretty shocked about it. So uh, we'll see if Shane, La- you know, Luke's on the hot seat for Shane Lowry. If he doesn't play well, he's going he's gonna to hear about it too. I think uh, we all as golfers have gotten to know so many more of these players due to the global nature of the game, uh, the coverage from Golf Channel. All the money's in the all the money's on the PGA Tour. So anybody who's really a top player in, in Europe, they come over here to play. I mean, that's just it's not like the late '80s, early '90s were. Monty and, and Seve would stay home and play in Europe. And he, the, the money's so big here, the guys come over here to play. Who, who, What great players from Europe don't play in the U.S.? And a lot of them have gone to school over here, to college. Yeah, they come over, yeah, Seth Straka, you know, and uh, Adrian Moronk, I guess, doesn't play the PG Tour. But, you know, uh, it's just a different, it's a different game now. It's an American game, and I don't think that's going to change with this Jay Monaghan running this new entity that's going to somehow operate, live, and the PG Tour and or merge them or whatever they're going to do. I don't think that's – I think it's going to remain American-centric to the chagrin of the European Tour. I don't know how the European Tour is going to be able to – you know, they're going to have to throw them some big events to keep them going. And they probably will. They probably have to. These European guys probably would have stayed home, but the European Tour has never been able to find sponsors the way the PGA Tour has. Big money sponsors, they don't they don't have them. And if they do have them, it's, you know, the only ones they really have are big money are the Saudis. You know, they go over and they have a, what do they have, four or five events in the Middle East. Right. And other than that, they don't have, you know, they got a BMW, their flagship's the BMW PGA Championship, but by and large, their tournaments come and go almost like corn fairy events because they just don't have big money sponsors for the European Tour, and that's why these—that's why the American. I mean, the PGA Tour's greatest skill is finding sponsors really for three or four tours: the PGA, the Corn Ferry, Champions Tour, and to a lesser extent, you know, not really, but you can sort of the Canadian Tour. They, um, they don't really try too hard on that anymore. But they, they, they find, they're able to find 100 sponsors to keep these three tours going. European Tour just doesn't have, can't find the companies with, big, with deep pockets over in Europe who want to sponsor golf. And that's why the game is so lopsided toward America as far as the money goes. Uh, what's, what's your prognostication? Is Does Live Live On as an entity? Uh, apparently most of the contracts that were signed were three-year deals, which would mean end of 2024. 
What's what's your gut on how this is all going to shake out? Well, I think they, I think Jay Monahan can't wait to step on their necks and get rid of them. But I think they'll do it gradually. In 2025, there's rumors there's going to be some joint events, some big money events to include those guys. But uh, unless, you know, I think I think that'll be it. I think after 2025, they'll figure out a way to reincorporate, you know, let these guys come back to the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour in some some fashion, and they'll just, unless something happens, that live becomes popular. But I don't know anybody who follows them other than me. I, I keep I've got my own ranking system uh, for them in their own events, which I published periodically for SI.com. Uh, nobody cares about those team things. Nobody can name the teams or who's on them. Uh, if they just went all team events, they might have a shot, become like a league, but they have to have a TV deal to do that, a, a significant TV deal, not the CW. So I don't think that's happened. So I think I think 25, 2025 will be their last hurrah. After that, uh, it'll just it, they'll be gone, but you know, I feel like I feel like they just, the PGA Tour guy. I feel like they still don't know what they're how what they're going to do or how they're going to make this work. I feel like they they're still making this up as they go. They've agreed to end the hostilities and get together, but they haven't agreed how to make that happen. So my guess is meaningless. It's not any better than anybody else's guess. I don't think even the tour has a plan yet. So, but I, I yeah. They got honor the, th- the third year. There's got to be lived next year, and after that, all bets are off. Does Jay Monahan, speaking of betting and being a betting man as you are, does Jay Monahan survive? I think they will use this new for-profit entity. He's going to be the CEO of that. Well, they'll be able to say that's such a big job. That's a full-time job. You can't do that and be commissioner of the tour. So. I think he will. This again, I'm just this, just guessing. I have this is based on nothing. But how's the guy going to be the CEO of that and be the commissioner of of the tour? A little bit of a conflict, I think. So I think he'll give up the commissionership to become the grand poobah, the whole for-profit entity that covers both of them, and they'll stick somebody else in there, uh, maybe a past player. I think the players have had enough of the marketing guys and lawyers being commissioners, and by that I mean Fincham and Monahan, and would like somebody more in the mold of the team beam on a former player. Mm-hmm. I don't know what former player would be appropriate for for that job, but you know, there's somebody like Jason Gore who's uh, a liaison for the USGA and their events and. But there's, you know, there's plenty of smart guys who don't play the game anymore and who are available. Um, I don't think uh, Tiger Woods wants any part of a job that's got that in much administrative stuff. But uh, that's, so that's my guess is my hand moves up to the CEO and they'll uh, they'll find another commissioner to fill in at that job because you, you, you can't have the commission the PGA Tour overseeing the you know, the two organizations. Well, Liv's gonna Liv's not gonna be happy if he's still the PGA Tour commission. I don't know. You have your crystal ball out, and it appears quite clear today. 
Gary, Ben, Sickle, as always, we appreciate your time. You can catch all of his brilliant writing and commentary at si.com. Thanks so much, my friend.